0: Blog Talk Radio. Driving
1: on night, my hand's wet on the wheel. It's Talking in Circles. There's a the voice in
0: my head that drives my heel. With
1: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My
0: baby calling till I need you here.
1: And John Harlow. And it's
0: a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I'm Clayton Calder with John Harlow. Tonight we are breaking down the Consumer's Energy 400 from Michigan International Speedway.
1: Kevin Harvick
0: took his seventh victory of the season, his 44th of his career in dominating fashion today. He was victorious and went to victory lane. Brad Keselowski finished second. We're going to break down the whole event from Michigan, as well as an NASCAR Camper World Truck Series. We saw Brett Moffitt win in thrilling fashion, beating Johnny Sauter by a nose at the line. Also, we'll, we'll talk about the Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio. And silly season rumblings starting to come out little by little. Is Kurt Burst going to Chip Ganassi Racing? If he does, who replaces him at Stuart Haas? We'll discuss all that, and we'll take your phone calls. 917-889-8280 we're here tonight on Talking in Circles. But first, John, we're going to break down the Consumers Energy 400 at Michigan. Kevin Harvick. A real statement victory for that number four team. JGR, they they said before the race, it was reported before the race by NBC that Joe Gibbs Racing had a new engine combination for this weekend at Michigan. They were very confident on their ability to run well with all four or five race cars at Michigan today. None of them really ran all that great. Kyle Busch was the best one all day long. He ended up in a fourth position, but it was a race that belonged to Kevin Harvick and a big statement race as we get to the playoffs, where there's going to be a lot of mile and a half tracks, a lot of two mile tracks, a lot of high downforce racetracks to go out there and dominate the way Kevin Harvick did today. Statement for his chances to win the 2018 championship, no doubt about it.
1: I think it was a big statement for Harvick and the number four team. Roddy Childers always has that uh, that car ready to go. Uh, one thing was also was a big statement for Roush Yates engines. Um, Doug Yates. Uh, takes Michigan personal. Um, he said it's a memory. Him and his father used to love coming to Michigan. They love putting the manufacturer trophy that comes with it at Ford headquarters whenever they win. I mean, it's right in the manufacturer's backyard. Ford and Chevy always want to make sure they win at Michigan. And Doug Yates and that horsepower that they put out, and that's one of the things with Michigan – You have to have some downforce. You have to have some handling to be able to work at Michigan, but there's a hell of a lot of horsepower needed to get through those two miles. I mean, they're running 217, 218 going into the turns. So, you know, the horsepower has to be there. And that was a Doug Yates special that wound up going in Harvick's car. And it, I mean, the same way it's been for a lot of the mile and a half tracks this year, a lot of the intermediates, I mean, Michigan's not a mile and a half, but it's considered an intermediate. The Fords have dominated. They've been great. Take out Kyle Bush and take out Truex. They're the Toyotas who've been running well, but most everything's been Ford, Ford, Ford. And you look at the top 10 today, how many Fords were in there. I mean, at the end of the race, they're taking two Chevys back. I mean, they're taking two of every manufacturer back to the wind tunnel to sort of compare notes between this package and the 19 package, the engines on dynos. But I mean, you look at Ford, they're taking the first two cars. Chevy, they're taking, what, fourth and ninth? Because Chase Elliott was the best Hendrick Motorsports uh, driver in ninth place. At the end of the day, I mean, I thought early Harvick was going to have a big problem because they had a bad pit stop their first time in. Uh, the jack, I mean, their gun got yanked out of the uh, tire changer's hands. But they wound up just being able to cruise through the field. Harvick was the fastest car all day. And I think the best moment of the race was Keelan Harvick running over to get the checkered flag and taking the victory lap with his dad. I thought it was a great race for Harvick. The thing is with Michigan, there was a heck of a lot of follow the leader.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the way it is at Michigan, and uh, there's no doubt about that. But no doubt, I think you're right. It was Kevin Harvick's race to lose today, and the only reason why other people got in front was because of either Pitt's strategy or – um, you know They shot themselves on a foot on pit road One or the other Never really got past that lead Again, that's a big statement race I wonder if the problem was, John You, know, you look at where Joe Gibbs racing finished today Kyle Bush was third I called him fourth earlier Austin Dillon had a tire issue Where he was running second Had a tire issue that put him in the fourth spot But Kyle Bush finished third today Denny Hamlin was eighth Daniel Suarez was 11th Eric Jones 13th You looked at, at how they ran all day long Um, I think a lot of people were were expecting them to to come through the field and really be strong, even Martin Truex Jr., and really be strong. But I wonder if the new engine combination sort of made them chase this package a little bit, chase the setup a little bit here at Michigan because they weren't that great. Hamlin wasn't great all day, led led some early, but never really showed his his hand after that. I know Truex had had a really – what I thought was a big mistake by Cole Pern to stay out on that one caution. Try and and you know didn't, they were in their fuel window. Decided not to pit and they stayed out. It just shows you what track position means at Michigan. They decided to keep the track position, try and keep the track position. It bit them. They ran out of gas with two laps to go. Had to pit when pit road was closed. Lost a, a lap or two there. Was able to battle back and get back on a lead lap, but finished 14th. But still, Truex wasn't in the top five really before that. So um, you know consistently. So I think it was a, a little bit of a, a head scratcher for Joe Gibbs Racing. And we saw this in Toyota a couple of years ago when they gave them a little bit more horsepower and found some uh you know extra just a new engine combination where they had to chase it for a few weeks before they kind of you know had to got the setups figured out with this new engine package and then by that time it was too late. They now introduce it here at Michigan. I think they were chasing a setup all day. Eric Jones was complaining about his car being too tight all day. we saw him spun at one spin at one point um so not a great day for Joe Gibbs Racing here if you wanted to build momentum getting, for the play- getting ready for the playoffs because, again, we really didn't see them show up today.
1: I think it was a combination of possible the engine package. Um, and we'll find out whenever they go to the dyno because, I mean, NASCAR decided this week they're taking the engines to the dynos and they're going to see what kind of horsepower everybody gets and they're going to take top two from each manufacturer running through the wind tunnel. And NASCAR does that every now and then just to see how level the playing field is or how much of an advantage somebody has. Um, I also think Goodyear was part of the problem. You heard everybody saying about how hard the tire was. You listened to Dale Jr. and Jeff Burton both on the broadcast and Steve LaTard as well saying because since the repave, because the speeds are so fast, um, Goodyear keeps bringing a hard tire and they can't really get into the track. Because they're afraid of a tire blowing going at those speeds, so they want to make sure that they uh have everything as possible for the safety factors when it comes to the drivers. But I think the tire was too hard for today, from what everybody was saying, it was part of they couldn't get around I mean you saw when Eric Jones spun, he said, "I was plowing the whole time," and then he hit the uh one of the seals i mean one of the seams in the track where the pavement is, and it just sent him up toward the wall, spin him. I mean, Truex got caught in a spin with um, – I forget um, I forget who Truex got caught in a spin with, but oh, it was um, 24, William Byron. Truex and Byron spun early in the race, and Cole Pern was – I mean, you look where Cole Pern and Truex and them are in the standings. Why not try for everything they can? I mean, yeah, they came up a couple laps short, but if they finish 15th, what's it matter? They've got four wins. They're ready to go. They're locked into the playoffs. There's nobody going to knock them out. So, I mean, you experiment. You try to do everything you can to win, try to do pit strategy to get uh, stage points. And I was listening to the post-race with Brad Gilley and um, Claire B. Lang last, la- after the race, and Kevin Harvick has more stage and playoff points right now than Truex did last year. And everybody was saying about how Truex ran away with it because he had so many stage points and stuff going into the playoffs. Truex only had 30 going into the playoffs at this point. That's where Kyle Busch is. Harvick's at 40. So, I mean, it's a whole different battle going to happen whenever they hit the playoffs. I mean, those three are going to be so far ahead of everybody. It's going to take a major, major malfunction for those three not to be running at Homestead for the championship.
0: Oh, I agree, and I think when you look at the playoff points, you talked about it. Ka- Kevin Harvick now has 40, Kyle Busch has 35, Truex has 27. The next highest on that list is Clint Boyer with 10. So it just shows you where, right now, where uh, everybody else is compared to those three. Um, and they're kind of outdo each other, but today was, was a big statement race, like I said, for Kevin Harvick. I thought he was very, very good. Um, you know, the dominant car of the race, there's no doubt about that. Finishing second was Brad Kislowski today. Team Penske's been a little off. I think they proved that again today. They didn't have the speed to really contend for a victory. I know second place is a good job by Kozlowski. They got the track position at the end. It was extremely hard to pass at Michigan today, and they'll take it. I'm sure they'll take it and look at it, but I know they think in the bottom of their minds, in the back of their minds, they've got to be sitting there going, what do we have to do to chase down this four? They don't have the speed right now to win a championship, but a, a step in the right direction, I think. Ryan Blaney was very good all day. He finished fifth. He was in the top five. Logano had a problem in the, in the very beginning of the race where they kind of had to, to get some pitch strategy to get some track position. He ended up 10th, so not a horrible day for him either. So I think Team Penske had a step in the right direction. I think Ford ran really well today for those two organizations, um, but certainly not where Kevin Harvick is, or maybe even Stuart Hosh. You look at Kurt Busch in sixth, a solid day for him. He was in the top 10 all day. I'm a little the same way. His best career run at uh, at Michigan in seventh, So a nice job by by the Stuart Haas and the T. Penske cars. I just think T. Penske right now, John, just a wee bit behind uh, the big three and Stuart Haas racing, no doubt about it.
1: I agree, and I think um, one of the things you look at as well, uh, early in the race, Clint Boyer started, what, 14th and was up to third before the first yellow. So, I mean, before he even had the competition caution. Boyer was moving up early. And something hit them or something gotten in their way, or I'm not sure what caused them to start sliding back. The Boyer was having a good day. Um, I don't know what it is. Stuart Haas just has that combination. And Tony Stewart, one of the things you got to look at how he put that organization together. He's got a boatload of racers. And that's one of the things he wants in his shop. He wants people who are racers. But the other thing he learned and took to heart when he was at Joe Gibbs racing and Watch how Coach Gibbs did everything. It was people. People make your team go. And Tony Stewart got a bunch of people that work well together, and he's got a bunch of racers who want to win. And you see it week in, week out, how the performance of Stewart Haas Racing has been. Last year, they they made the switch to sh- from Chevy to Ford and started building their own chassis and everything, and they still ran better than they did as a group. Except for Ran better than they did when they were getting their chassis and engine supplied by Hendrick Motorsports, And I think year two, they've just been off the charts and I wait to see what happens next year. I mean, all the drivers, they made the announcement Thursday that Ford's going to uh, run the Mustang. They debuted what the Mustang's going to look like for the cup series. They had Tony Stewart drive it through the wall and everything. And all the drivers at Stewart Haas seem comfortable. They don't, feel that they're going to have the headaches that Hendrick Motorsports has had this year where they're half three quarters of the way through the season and still don't have their arms around the Camaro or the three months it took Joe Gibbs racing and Toyota get around the body change last year. I think they're confident going in and Ford is being a partner with them. And I mean, you've listened to Harvick, you listen to Boyer instead of saying, yeah, we want to thank Chevy because they provide parts and blah, blah, blah. Ford, has jumped in and they are a complete partner with Stuart Haas racing and team Penske and the Ford camp. I think Ford is as much a part of the team as the team is. And I think that well, helps. Hell
0: when I think about that, um, not to get too far off topic, but when I think about that, Chevy was very confident going into that at this point last year, Chevy Chevy was very confident going into the season saying the Camaro is going to cure for our problems. Well, it hasn't been so who knows? Ford is hard to predict so who knows what the Mustang's going to do for Ford. Speaking of Camaros, I think it was a good step in the right direction for another organization in Richard Childress Racing. First time we saw Austin Dillon really have a strong top five run in a long time. Ryan Newman was up there. They had some issues at the end of the race. He spun at times. Finished 15th. It wasn't a horrible day for him. Um, but I think it's, it's a positive step in the right direction for RCR. The 13 shows speed before he had his issue. Uh, at least more speed than what he's had in, in, in weeks past before he had his issue, which was crazy, ran over a piece of uh, what ended up to be apparently a battery, a backup battery from the double zero car, uh, according to MRN radio that awesome, that Ty Dillon ran over and, and looked like it ruptured an oil line. He hit the wall, was done for the day, uh, ended up finishing way back in the 38th position there, but he was running good all day, better than what he had been in the past at least. And so a nice, step in the right direction for Richard Childress Racing today. I think they needed that. I think there's still a lot of work to do. Um, But certainly, the way they went with their race cars here at Michigan, I think, was a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think it's a one race, though. Um, I'd like to see it more often. I mean, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. And we're not going to be able to know how far that step is because we don't have another intermediate track until we hit the playoffs. I mean, we have Bristol. We have Burlington, which is an animal of its own. Then we have Indy which is in its own planet the way it works. So what happened at Michigan, you can't use as a judge going forward toward the playoffs. Um, it'd be nice to see if they wrap their arms around. I mean, the Camaro is a whole, I mean, Bristol's a whole different thing. It's survival of the fittest, almost the same way Darlington is survival of the fittest. But um, I don't, I don't see Richard Childress racing, taking that step forward. I think it's a, it was a nice baby step today. But until you see a two, three, four races in a row where children's cars are starting to move toward the front and children's cars are passing people for the lead. I mean, in Michigan, it was a whole different thing because the only person you saw anybody pass that was able to pass most of the day was Harvick. Yeah. But the the rest of it was pretty much follow the leader and pit strategy or somebody had something happen and they got a little out of the groove and somebody made their way around them. The only person you saw passing anybody with any purpose and any sense of movement was Harvick.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. He, he was able to, to just do it, you know, better than any, anybody today for sure. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight. Um, Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point about RCR saying, I want to see it two, three times in a row. Cause you're absolutely right. Because, I think when everybody looked at what Hendrick Motorsports did last week at Watkins Glen, where they said, well, it's, an aero, it's a little bit more aerodependent aero-dependent racetrack, they did great there. Chase Elliott won. Well, they show up to Michigan to get today and lay an egg. Jimmy Johnson had a problem at the end of the race where he ended up finishing in the 28th position. He had to pit with about six to go for four tires with a loose wheel, but he wasn't a top-ten car all day. He probably would have ended up about 14th before that. Chase Elliott was ninth. Not a great day for him. Uh, we talked about William Byron's struggles he wrecked. Alex Bowman ended up 19th, not a good day for him. And, and all, even the uh, Hendrick Motorsports-affiliated cars. A lot of people look at Michigan as Kyle Larson's best racetrack. He, he wasn't anywhere near the front today. I don't think he got out of the top 15 for most of the day. Finished 17th, not a, a, a good day at all for the D.C. Solar Chevrolet. McMurray was not a, not a contender all day. So the Hendrick Motorsports-affiliated race cars, and, and maybe this is Larson. Listen, he had a late night last night. Comes in there to this at the Knoxville Nationals, comes into Michigan, and they just struggled real bad. I mean, it was just nowhere near. And I, I think, again, when you look at Michigan, even last year when Chevrolet wasn't 100% on their game, Larson always ran good at Michigan. Larson had a couple of good races this year when he was battling with Kyle Bush at the end of that race at Chicagoland for the victory. But today they go out there and just don't perform. A very disappointing day, I think, for Ganassi and Hendrick as a whole.
1: I think uh, before the race, I was listening to Kyle. Bo- I mean Kyle Larson um, yesterday on the MRN um, Dirt Track Show. He was at Knoxville and they were talking to him about Michigan. He said we struggled. We struggled out of the gate, and he says we don't. We do not have our hands around what we need at Michigan this week. Um, they were not great in practice. They were not great in qualifying. I think they qualified what nineteenth, twentieth, somewhere in there. Um, they were not. They were out the lunch this week. And even Chad Johnson said, we made some changes this morning and we hope they work. If you're putting changes in Sunday morning and you're making wholesale changes, hoping they work, you're pretty much in big trouble to begin with. And Kyle Larson knew it. He said it uh, yesterday whenever he was talking at, um, on the MRN show. He said it pre-race and he said, we're not sure what we have. Chad Johnson said, we're not sure what we have. And if Kyle Larson's struggling at Michigan, that means Chevy's going to struggle because Kyle Larson has way, has found ways to find where the best place for his car is. And they were talking about it on the pre-race. Kyle Petty said one of the things that he really appreciates about Kyle Larson is his ability to drive from the seat because Kyle Larson doesn't know how to fix a car. He doesn't know what he needs in it, but he knows how it feels. And that's part of driving all these different forms of, um, cars that he's done. He's drove midgets, quarter midgets, sprint cars. I mean, he said there's been times he's drove three different cars in one night. So you have to get a different feel for it because the setup's completely different in all of them. So Kyle Larson finds places where his car can go that nobody else does. And he wasn't able to find it today at Michigan. I mean, they were sort of out the lunch all day.
0: Yeah, that's where I was surprised because again, it was a it was a crazy race as far as I think a lot of people expected Hendrick Motorsports to do better. I mean, Alex Bowman, top 10 and lap times all, all week long qualified 10th. And, and a lot of people said, well, he might finish in the top 10, top 15, give us a good run, finish 19th. Um, so it was not a very good day for them at all. Uh, I just think um, the Hendrick Motorsports affiliated cars were just a little bit behind, whether that was, you know, Ford finding it or whatnot, but uh, a disappointing day for sure. When we look at the points, you talked about it earlier, John, I I think when you look at the points, you know right now the only problem Kevin Harvick has is Kyle. He's not. I don't think he's going to be able to catch Kyle Busch unless Kyle in the regular season points. Unless Kyle Busch has a major issue at Darlington, Bristol, or or, um, Indianapolis, the next three races before the playoffs. Unless he's a major issue, Harvick right now is sixty-two points behind Bush for the regular season championship, and Bush is going to get those fifteen extra playoff points when Harvick only gets ten. That's five. They'll be equal most likely as it sits right now If the season ends of the day. They would be equal with the same amount of playoff points going into the playoffs. So um, it would be a real, real um, great spot for both drivers to be in. It would be a real dogfight for the playoffs with both of those cars. Um, so I, I think right now that's the only problem Harvick has. When you look at the back end of the field as far as people who will make this playoffs and who won't, not really much is changing. You know, we're in a season where we've got the OSS, and I think it's really changing the way we do things. You really can't adjust on these race cars, I think, that teams like teams normally have in the past. And it's sort of even, evening itself out here. Right now, Stenhouse, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., is one position outside the playoffs. He's 62 points back of Alex Bowman with three races to go. He's going to have to win. Same thing with Paul Menard, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman, and Austin Dillon. Um, they're gonna, all going to have to – well, Austin Dillon's in, but – William Byron, Jamie McMurray, they're all going to have to to win to get in these playoffs. So not much is changing back there, John, when you look at these playoffs. The only thing to really keep an eye on is who gets those extra 15 and 10 and the rest of the playoff points here in the top 10 uh, as the season moves along. Because you're right, right now it looks like it's it's a big three. The big three are really going to pull themselves away from the field you're at the end of the regular season
1: yeah if you think about how it's um looking going forward especially whenever you look at the races that are left bristol the only one outside the only couple outside of the top 16 right now who i think have a shot at bristol are stenhouse because he ran great at bristol in the spring race and newman finds ways that he does great at bristol Those are two of the ones you need to watch for this one. At Darlington, I swear to God, one of the big three is going to win it, without a doubt. And I I wouldn't doubt if the big three win the next three races. But Indy, I almost think if there's a shot for Jimmy Johnson to get a win, that would be it. But I think your winners for the next three, the only ones I see having an outside shot are Stenhouse and Newman. Who are outside of the top 16 right now. Stenhouse and Newman both run really well at Bristol. Both of them find ways to get toward the front. Those are the ones, and I see Stenhouse driving like there's no tomorrow because in reality there isn't. He's not going to do well at Darlington. He never has. He won't do well at Indy, and he never has. I think Stenhouse's chance at the playoffs are going to happen this week at Bristol Motor Speedway.
0: Can't agree more. He, he, his best shot to make the playoffs this year was win one of the three play tracks um, in the regular season, and he wasn't able to do that. So, you know, he's struggling. Uh, Roush is struggling. I mean, Bain had a decent day before he had his issues there. He stole on pit road with about 15 to go, and, and that he was running, I think, in about 20th, which is a decent day. Uh, a little bit better than what they've run in the past, but um, still not a, a great run for Trevor Bane today here at Michigan. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think, again, those guys who are outside the playoffs right now have to win. Um, and they're going to do some, I, I think, you know, crazy things. I think Bristol's a little bit more of a level playing field for those guys because it's a shorter track. You, you don't have to worry about aerodynamics nearly as much. Um, and I think that, that, that'll that help those teams in the back if they run really good. Um, and like you said, Stenhouse runs pretty good there. I don't know if he's going to have enough to win, but maybe he'll gain some points on, on, uh, so, Alex Bowman there and, and the rest of the people there towards the back end of the points. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. 8280 here. Talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series ran the sixth annual Rock and Roll Tequila 170 presented by uh, Amsteth Beverage. Justin Allgaier was the winner. He beat Austin Sindrick. Then it was Daniel Hemrick, Matt Tiff, Ryan Truex, Elliot Sadler, Cole Custer, Spencer Gallagher. Alex LeBay, his first career top 10, and Ryan Reed rounding out the top 10. Uh, it really came down to Alex uh, Austin Cedric had a really fast race car, probably the best race car there, led 59 laps. But at the end, it was Allguyer who passed him, went on to victory. Uh, in Brandt's backyard, they were thrilled about the win. And Allgaier quickly becoming, I think, the favorite to win this championship here, John. He just shows everything that, that needs to happen. He's shown. He's been great. Um, and I just think it's, it's, you know, it's just an unbelievable, uh, run he's been having lately where he just shows he can win anywhere. I think he's the favorite to win this championship here, Allgaier, as the season moves along. Obviously, Christopher Bell's very good, but Allgaier is going to make it really tough on Bell for sure.
1: I think, uh, you're two, the, you had the big three in the cup series. You're pretty much had the big two in the Xfinity series. I think it is between Allgaier and Christopher Bell. And um, it's between those two who's going to win it. Allgaier showed that he can run a road course. He had a great restart on the final restart where he wound up getting past Austin Sendrick. And Austin Sendrick was the class of the field all day yesterday. And Allgaier was fighting 5th, 6th. Him and Cole Custer were battling 5th, 6th, 7th area most of the day. And got a great final restart. He got the right place, right position, and wound up being able to pull off the win. I think all Allgaier is a solid racer. Brandt gives them good sponsorship. Junior Motorsports gives them good cars. And the what I don't understand is you look at the Xfinity, you look I mean, you look at the Xfinity Series, they're running the Camaro there. And Chevy isn't out to lunch in the Xfinity Series. I don't know how much of it has to do with the extra horsepower that the cup cars have that they just can't figure out how to go, but they're running the they're running the Camaro in the Xfinity Series. I don't know how much difference the setup is between the size of the Xfinity car and the body they put on everything. But for some reason, the difference between Xfinity and Cup is night and day. But, I mean, if you look at the Xfinity Series, it's going to be Justin Allgaier, it's going to be Christopher Bell. It's one of those two that's going to win this thing, unless there's a complete surprise that comes out of nowhere. And that surprise could be Cole Custer.
0: Yeah, or, or Daniel Hemrick as well. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I think of the, the two right now, definitely Bell's got 24 playoff points. Allgaier's got 14. Allgaier is fifth in a regular season points innings, but he's only three points back of second, which is held by Elliott Sadler and Daniel Hemrick right now. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Xfinity Series moves to Bristol next weekend. It's a triple header weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for Bristol. Uh, the, one of the best racetracks on the circuit, no doubt about it. Truck Series, John, was also at Michigan this week. Corrigan Oil 200. A race won by Brett Moffat. Johnny Sauter was second. Then it was John Hunter, Nibicek, Noah Gregson, Todd Gilliland, Ben Rhodes, Grant Enfinger, Stuart Friesen, Justin Haley, and Matt Crafton, the top 10. Uh, Moffitt made a heck of a move at the end of that race to pull over and, and pass Johnny Sauter, the veteran, uh, who was everybody's favorite to win this championship here, John. But I think Brett Moffitt's going to make it very difficult. This is a kid who's, who's finally got a full-time ride and really good stuff. He's gone out here Won a ton of races, and he's really putting the pressure on Johnny Sauter. And I think he snookered him there in turn three and was able to pass him coming off of turn four for the victory. A very impressive win for Moffitt and Shiggy team. team. Uh, they just – they're having a great year and another solid run for Brett Moffitt um, and, and Johnny Sauter there at, at Michigan.
1: Yeah, they're the two to watch. Those two, Noah Gregson, um, also will be a challenger whenever it comes time for the championship run in the Truck Series. I'm just impressed as all get out with Brett Moffat and Shigiatori Racing because it's an underfunded team. I and mean, you heard in the middle of the season, they were struggling to be able to make sure they got to races. I mean, we were talking about whether or not they should start and park so they can make sure they can get to the race and make sure they get to the playoffs because, I mean, they're underfunded. They barely have enough to continue to move forward. And what they're doing, what. um, Brett Moffat and Scott Zipidelli have done together. I mean, Ryan Truex gave that truck a great run last year, and what they're doing this year with it is even better. And it's pretty impressive what they're able to do, considering the amount of funding they have compared to GMS, compared to Kyle Busch Motorsports. And they're right there battling for the championship. I think it's going to be a three-truck battle of the championship between Noah Gregson, uh, Johnny Sauter, and uh, Brett Moffitt.
0: I mean, you look at the playoff points right now between those two, um, and, and you're right. It's Gregson's got 12. Johnny Sauter's got 22, but right on his heels is Brett Moffitt in 21. And, and Sauter's with a big-time team with a lot of funding in GMS Racing, and Moffitt's right there. I mean, it's going to be a, a fun battle. They run Bristol this weekend as well. It's the final race of the regular season before they start their playoffs, or excuse me, two races to go until they start their playoffs. So um, a lot of fun to watch. They also got Canada up on Labor Day weekend. They run up there in Canada on a road course. So, uh, listen, a, a going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and it's really – Moffitt's a guy who I, I think we should keep an eye on. If all was fair, I think Moffitt would be – talked about at least getting a decent Xfinity Series ride next season. Speaking of which, the silly season, John. Silly season heating up. The rumors are rampant. They're flying out the door. It was reported on Friday – At Michigan, Kurt Busch, current driver of the number 41 car at Stuart Haas Racing, will be moving to the number one team at Chip Ganassi Racing in 2019. And his sponsor, Monster Energy, would be coming with him. A kind of a surprise considering um, Stuart Haas Racing came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we expect all four drivers to be back. Gene Haas and Kurt Busch both denied the report and said, Kurt Busch, and I'm talking to every team basically for next season, Gene Haas said, Uh, We haven't heard back yet. It's still sort of status quo like it was last year, but the report was pretty detailed in it that he's going to to, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing to replace Jim McMurray. Uh, Listen, I'll say this. I think this has to do with – you're going to call me crazy. I think this has to do with salary. I think Kurt Busch wants to make a certain amount of money. Last year, it it went down to December before he was signed, and – a lot of these veteran race car drivers don't want to take a pay cut. I think right now these teams are looking at it with the 2019 rule package and saying that that's going to be sort of the great equalizer, um, especially in a mile and a half, to where the draft's going to even the playing field and the and driver's not going to play nearly as big of a part in it as it did this year, where some of these teams are saying, then we're not going to have to pay the driver a whole lot of money. We can pay the driver If we can get a driver in here who's not going to make nearly as much, and on a mile and a half, it won't make that big of a difference. So why pay him? Maybe Gene Haas, who funds that team out of his pocket a lot, uh, says, you know what, we can bring somebody in here who does it at a cheaper price than what Kurt Busch would. Kurt Busch said, I'll find a team that pays me that money. Chip Ganassi Racing said, if you want to come, we'll pay you. We'll get you an Indy 500 car. Kurt said, let's do it. Going to the one. That's my thoughts on this whole thing here, John. What are your thoughts on Kurt Bush going to the one car for next season?
1: Well, I think the last thing you brought up might be the equalizer. Um, I think salary. Yeah, that has a role in it. And if you're Kurt Bush, you've, you're a cup champion. You're right now, fourth in points. You're doing everything your team has asked you to do and you want paid. The thing is, Monster Energy is only bringing about half a season of sponsorship to Stuart Haas Racing. The other half's coming out of Gene Haas's pocket. When this first came down, if you remember, Tony Stewart said two weeks before Kurt Busch was signed, Stuart Haas Racing can only do three cars, and there's not enough room at the inn for Ryan Newman, one of Tony Stewart's best friends. And Ryan Newman was told he doesn't have a home at Stuart Haas anymore because Dana brought, Danica brought a full season of sponsorship. Sponsorship isn't what it used to be. I mean, there aren't the thirty million dollar sponsors out there anymore. Especially when the series went and said, Okay, monster, we'll let you do it for twenty million a year. Now, if you're a sponsor and you want to and they say, Well, we need thirty million a year out of you, well, why in the hell would you do it if you can sponsor the whole series for twenty? And your name's out there with everything. You're the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. We'll be back after this from the on the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at Michigan. You get everything you could ever want being a title sponsor. You don't get that with one team. You're one out of 37 to 40. I don't see it. I mean, I don't see the big deal when it comes to if I'm Gene Haas, And I have the chance to save money considering I'm funding the 41 car half a season out of my pocket or half the half the bill on the 41 car. I'm funding three fourths of the 14 car out of my pocket. And who knows how much? I mean, Smithfield's on the 10 for about three fourths of the season. But there's going to be some races where Smithfield's not on the 10 car and Haas Automation is. So I'm Gene Haas. I've got this uh, boatload of money. I'm also shelling out for the Formula One team. Sooner or later, no matter how much of a billionaire you are, you don't make you don't become a billionaire by just pissing money away. And Gene Haas has to look at the thing and say, okay, Kurt Bush wants X amount of money. Kurt Bush hasn't won yet this year. Kurt Bush has been consistent, but he hasn't won yet. So I'm saying, okay, if you think you can get a better ride somewhere else, go for it. And Chip Ganassi saying, okay, that's a better move than I have with Jamie McMurray. Kurt Busch has shown yeah. in, in crappy equipment. Look what he did for James Finch. Look what he did I for agree. furniture no racing before they became furniture row racing. So Kurt Busch has brought teams up and helped them grow and helped them improve. I think he would do that for the one team. I think he would be a great placeholder until John Hunter Nemechek or somebody else coming up through the pipeline is ready. I think Kurt Busch wants a multi-year deal. And that I think yeah. Monster Energy only wants to do year by year because they don't know where they're at here and there. And yeah, that's, Stuart that's good point. doesn't want Fair to point. do a multi-year deal because there are other people out there who can put in that car within the next three years. Cole Custer's not far off. I mean, he's about a year away. I've said since the rumors started talking about Kurt Bush not being signed, all that good stuff, there's a chance Christopher Bell's in that 41 car. Mm-hmm. Martin Truex Jr. still hasn't signed yet. Furniture Row lost five-hour energy, and Barney Visser is not funding that car anymore. He's like, I've, I've put Furniture Row on it for X amount of years. He, he did a dance at, at Talladega last year whenever they had the full sponsorship. I don't see Barney Visser putting Furniture Row back on the 78 car. They either have to find sponsorship for half a year, or there's a, there's a struggle. Joe Garoni says the team will remain in business next year, but he hasn't said anything past next year. And if I'm Martin Truex Jr., and I'm Cole Pern, and we're on this run that we're on, and we don't know if it's going to be here after 2019, I'm starting to think about where is the brighter future. The brighter future is probably now, a 41 car.
0: Hey, that, that'll be interesting. 917 889 8280 talking in circles. Clayton Cuttle. John Harlow is talking about the silly season rumblings here that we've heard this weekend out of Michigan and the Kurt Bush going to the one car right now. Um, listen, I, I think when you look at Kurt Bush, definitely it's a competitive ride. I think McMurray, who is a nice guy, but he's been at Chip Ganassi, Earnhardt Ganassi, whatever you want to call it, for nine seasons now. And he's got a few, he had a few wins in his first year there, but in the last seven years he's won one race. And eventually you have to do better than that. He's had a real tough year this year. I think a lot of it's been out of his control. I think Camaro obviously has hurt him. But right now he sits I think, 22nd in the standings. And, and comp- compared to his teammate Larson, um, he's just way off the game right now. And I think they look at that and they say, we want to get a little bit more competitive in that car. Kurt Busch will do that for us. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely got something. Where I think McMurray struggles, and, and I think Kurt Busch is a is a step in the right direction. You talked about Christopher Bell in that one car, and that forty one car. Since um, there was rumors about it, I've been talking about Christopher Bell going to the one, and obviously that's no longer happening for a while. And I think it still might be a mistake for Chevrolet to go not get him. When you look at Chevrolet and what they got down the pipeline and look at their race teams right now, they don't have a lot of young studs. William Byron's already in cup, and he might win some races down the line. But Jimmy Johnson's a little older. You have uh, Alex Bowman, who's still, I think, on the fence when you look at it and say, well, um, is he going to be a winner in this series? Is he not going to be a winner in this series? He's still on the fence. Uh, Then you have Chase Elliott, who's a very good young driver, but that's one. Um, And then, you know, Larson's a good young driver, obviously. That's it, though. And then you have uh, Kurt Busch, who's older next year, and then Newman is older. Austin Dillon really hasn't panned out that well at RCR. Ty Dillon's really struggled so far. So they don't have like a lot of young, winnable race car drivers just yet. It might happen in three years. They might. They, I might be talking a little bit different. So right now, you might look at it and say. They don't really have a lot of great young drivers right there. That's why I would have went after Bell. Plus, I think team with Larson, I think it would have been a home run if they went after Christopher Bell. But I do think they needed a, uh, an upgrade in the driver's seat there at that one car. I don't think there's any secret about that. McMurray's a nice guy. Um, but let's talk about Jim McMurray here. Here's a guy who, like I said earlier, who is, you know, he, he got to um, the one car, replaced, you know, the driver before him, at the one car at Ganassi. was Mark Truex Jr. So just think about that for a second. That was before his MWR days. So it just shows you how long McMurray has been at the one car. Uh, his first year there was in 2010, so he's been there nine years. He won three races. Since then, he's won one race, and it was at Talladega. You just have to do better than that. Made the chase last season, made the chase the two years before prior, but um, not making it this year unless you pulls off a win, which will surprise some people. I don't think he's gonna do that. He's now over the age of forty two. I think that hurts him as well. So, um, what do you think Jim McMurray's future is? Uh, you know, there's rumblings that he might go to another ride, maybe he's a candidate to, to go back to Ralph Fenway where he started his well, where he ran in the middle part of his career, um, and and drive the six car next year. What are your thoughts on Jim McMurray and his plans for next season?
1: I don't see him going back to Roush Fenway. That was a train wreck the whole time they were there. Um, Same way I wouldn't see Kurt Busch ever going back to Roush Fenway. Um, And it wasn't because McMurray was a D-bag or anything. It's just it wasn't a right fit. And the way Roush Fenway is going right now, um, I don't see Jamie McMurray being a help to the organization. When you look at it, he's supposed to be the veteran who's helping things out. And his teammate, who's the young stud in Kyle, Bo- Kyle Larson, he's 10th in points. And McMurray's, what, 22nd? Um, McMurray hasn't really ever – I mean, he had that one season where he won Daytona in the Brickyard. And he won a Talladega race. And hasn't really ever set the world on fire. They thought he was going to be this big stud when he filled in for Sterling Marlin and won Coca-Cola in a second second or third race, filling in for Sterling Marlin when he hurt his back. But he's never really done anything the whole time he's been there. And somehow Chip Ganassi keeps getting that car sponsored, but I don't see anything special in Jamie McMurray. I don't see anybody who would want him other than, like, say, for example, a front row who wants to say we have a better name behind the driver's seat because – Jimmy McMurray's name's a little more recognizable than Matt D. Benedetto and David Reagan, but I don't think he would give you any better performance. I mean, look at the difference between Casey Kane in the 95 and, and, um, oh, Michael McDowell in the 95 last year. Michael McDowell. It's not much better. I mean, matter of fact, I think it's worse. So, Jimmy McMurray's a little long in the tooth. I think Jimmy McMurray's next move, if he doesn't stay at Chip Ganassi Racing, he'll be out of the sport.
0: I, I listen, I agree. I, I think, and I'm going to go up roush because I thought maybe that was an outside shot at it. I totally agree. I don't see Jimmy McMurray taking a ride, even like if a, a, a seat opened up at Front Row Motorsports where they say, hey, you know what? We like what you did at, at Chip Ganassi. Um, we're going to move Reagan. I don't know if... McMurray would take that. He'd rather say, "You know what? I made a lot of money in this sport. I want to be in a ride where I can win races." And that team right now can't win races on a consistent basis. So I'm not going to take that. I can see that happening. I don't see, and, and I like Jamie. He's a good guy. He's just not at the right age right now to lose to lose your ride. And again, he's won one race in seven years. Um, I don't see anybody really moving a big team, really moving anybody out to put him in a ride. I could be wrong. I could uh, be shocked here in a couple of, of weeks where you look at it and say. Uh, Jamie is going to get a ride, but I just don't see it happening right now. Uh, I think you're right about McMurray's future. I just don't see him getting a ride for next season. How about the 41? We talked. You talked about it earlier. Um, it, you know, Kurt Bush is given that team was really created for Kurt Bush. You know, we talked offline earlier where um, that team was created sort of out of Tony Stewart's in a hospital didn't even really know about what was going on. They had a three car operation. Gene Hoskins above Tony Stewart's head and brought in Kurt Busch to drive that 41 car. And um, that, so that team was created for him. So nobody's really driven that team other uh, than than Kurt Busch on that 41 team. So uh, I, I think when you look at it, you say, who's going to drive that car? And I think our next guest here, John, is going to have an opinion on that. It's Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. Uh, what do you want to talk Good to about you tonight? It, Lee. What's up, guys? Um, I, I just started tuning in, and Um, What a performance, say, by Kevin Harvick, first and foremost, and obviously making his his name as a champion. But, yeah, the silly season has certainly gotten that, and, um, you know, for Kurt Busch going to the one car, I think it came down to to money, honestly. Um, You know, the the monster sponsorship there with with Stuart Haas Racing is only a partial schedule. It's only half the season. Uh, Obviously, the one car has its own sponsors already there, adding Monster to it, you take that, you put it all together, they could probably afford to pay Kurt more than what Gene Haas and Tony Stewart are willing to pay Kurt Busch, especially with Cole Custer waiting in the wings. So I think Kurt's going there. And if you're Chip Ganassi racing, you don't know how that one car's supposed to be. you got the 42 running pretty decently, although he was way out to lunch today. But you got the 42 running pretty decently there. You know you got a good driver there. You don't know whether a Matt McCall can crew chief or not because you got Jamie McMurray, and he's been there for eight years now. So if you bring in a fresh guy like Kurt Busch, who supposedly 2019 is going to be his final season in the Monster Energy Cup Series, and then he's going to retire. So you bring Kurt Busch in for a year, kind of see where that car is at, and then you go, okay, well, we need to hire better people, or we need to hire a better driver for 2020. I think that has a lot to do with it, and also the Monster sponsorship as well, um, and Kurt getting to be you know second in line rather than maybe fourth in line at stewart House Racing.
1: And you saw that in the picture whenever they posed in front of the new Mustang, it was Gene, Tony, Harvick, Boyer, Eric Amarola, and then Kurt Busch was sort of buried in the back. Um, yeah, but and they probably knew he was broke leaving out. at
0: that point too. Yeah, they probably knew he was leaving at that point too, but you're right. I mean, it, it was funny because they had him at the Ford Mustang unveil Thursday and the news comes out Friday that he's driving a Chevrolet. So, uh, you know, Obviously, somebody knows something, and Ford probably said, let's just make sure he's there, so, you know, there's no rumors coming out early. And How about the 41, in... Lee? I, I, I think when you look at the 41 car, there's a lot of questions. I mean, there's no clear favorite right now for that car. I think, you know, with Kurt leaving, you look at it, and you're kind of sitting there going, it, a lot of times there's a clear favorite to take over these rides. Um, and you say, well, you know, I think John agrees. Custer's not ready yet. He said earlier that that he's a year away. I totally agree with that. I think Custer might even be two years away. Um, Who do you see, Lee, going to the 41 next year if this is indeed true? Now, again, this is all speculation because Kurt Busch and Gene Haas both denied that this was true. Um, But Motorsport.com reported that Jim Utter. I don't think they would have put their name on the line if they didn't have a really good source. But what do you think about the 41 next year, Lee?
1: And, Lee, uh, And who's driving that car? Lee, before you go. Before you answer, let me give you my two philosophies and tell me where I'm wrong. One of two things is going to happen. Christopher Bell is going to drive for Joe Gibbs Racing and Denny Hamlin will move because that's the only place they have to put Christopher Bell at Joe Gibbs Racing because Toyota doesn't want to lose him. Or Christopher Bell drives the 41 and Denny Hamlin stays at Joe Gibbs Racing. Now give us your thoughts.
0: I don't think either one of those two things are going to happen. Um, To be honest with you, from what I'm from what I'm gathering, and, and you know, guys know where I'm where I'm in the sport. From what I'm gathering is, you know, with the five-hour energy leaving Furniture Row Racing, Barney Visser does not want to foot a dollar on that bill for 2020, 2019, whenever. He's done spending his own money with the Furniture Row brand on that car. He did it for long enough, and he's done. I'm hearing that Daniel Suarez could be driving that car in 2019, and Joe Gibbs Racing could have Martin Truex Jr. to pay – Martin Truex Jr., the salary that Martin Truex Jr. wants. I know that Suarez is kind of looking at Joe Gibbs Racing and saying, well, I'm bringing all this money to the table. But on 20th in points, Kyle Busch is winning all the races. Maybe if he goes out to Colorado and is the only guy out there and, and runs that team with the crew chief like Cole Pern, he could be a little happier. Truex wants $1.5 million to drive. And Barney Visser, I think, is looking at it saying, we made you, man. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you $1.5 million to come drive my car. Uh, but Toyota, I think, wants to keep everybody happy and wants to keep Martin Truex. I think that was a big reason why Truex got the job, got the, got the ride. Uh, you know, made to switch to Toyota was was with Furniture Row. I think they were very happy that they had Martin Truex because they had a relationship with him, and he's been a big Toyota guy in the past. So I, I think Toyota wants to keep Truex. I could see him moving to Joe Gibbs Racing. I could see Suarez going to uh, the 78, and then. You know, the ninety-five could either be Christopher Bell, or you're hearing Casey Kane's name being thrown in the ring. I think they're going to talk to Christopher Bell, convince him to stay in Xfinity another season, and then make the jump whenever something else opens up. And they're probably hoping that with the sponsorship that that Suarez has, and with the money that Johnny, uh, what's his face, gives them from Bass Pro Shops, Johnny Miller from Bass Pro Shops, that they can put something together for Bell in 2020 um, because. Right now, there's a lot going on there in the Toyota camp. Uh, For the 41 car, Cole Custer. I think that's the guy. Uh, There's not a lot of sponsorship out there for Stewart House Racing right now. The Boyer's car is not fully funded. I don't see them stepping up to the plate and paying a ton of money for a veteran driver that can win a championship. I don't see it happening. I think Cole you'll get very much on the cheap because he's a young driver, because he's Joe Custer's son. You'll probably pay him exactly what you're paying him in Xfinity this season, and then you put in, you know, uh, uh, Chase, Chase Briscoe in the double zero in the Xfinity car next year. I think, I think that's Stuart Haas Racing's plan um, because that is what you, you know, as much money as Gene Haas has, if he doesn't want to, why would you spend extra money if you don't have to? I don't see Matt Kenseth happening. I think Matt Kenseth is staying at Roush and they're going to follow follow around with him at the sixth there and see what they can come up with. Um, And, you know, the one, I think the 41 right now, it's Cole Custer. I think that was the plan. that They were hoping Kurt would stay, but now that he's not staying, I think they accelerate that plan by a year. Interesting. Um, How about this, Lee? This is my theory, and I don't know if I'm off base on this. Uh, I think with this new rule package, and let me dive into this a little bit deeper with the Silly Season Rumors JTG apparently is in the rumors as well. There's talk that AJ Allmendinger might be out of a ride and the rumor is Ryan Preece, uh coming in to replace him. Ryan Priest, who runs at Jokers Racing in the Xfinity series um, has done very, very well there in, in the limited time he's had there, but Priest is a guy I think who doesn't have a lot of experience and so it's kind of a surprise that they're going with, they would go with Ryan Priest and replace a veteran like Allmendinger who's got a lot of experience, but Here's my theory let me, on this. Let me you you talked about this, the price. Uh, you talked about the price earlier. Um, I think Allmendinger is going to demand a, high, a way higher price than Ryan Priest. And I think with this new rule package coming to the mile and a half tracks next year in 2019, where it sort of is the, is the, uh, more of an equalizer, where the drivers are are saying, listen, the driver is not going to have as much of a, a uh, you know determination into what goes on in the mile and a half tracks next year. It's sort of going to be the great equalizer. These teams are looking at it going, why am I going to pay a driver all this money if I can get a young kid who could virtually do the same thing because the mile-and-a-half tracks are going to be sort of a toss-up with the draft and everything? So uh, does that have any legs? Do you look at it and say maybe that's why Kurt Busch uh, is out of the 41? They didn't want to pay him because they'd look at it and say, well, the driver's not going to meet as much next year to, to, uh, to our performance? Uh, it could, could be. As well as I think, with the sponsorship landscape the way it is, um, I think that they're looking at it and saying we're trying to cut costs anywhere they can, and, and the driver's seat is going to be number one with that. And Stewart Haas Racing, listen, they—you saw the performance Kevin Harvick put on today. They're not hurting on that sense, um, but obviously we've heard Jimmy Johns is leaving. Uh, Clint Boyer's sponsorship has not—I mean, they've—they've they've, they've gotten a couple of things done here and there, but nothing that's been significant. Smithfield is in good, good spirits there with Amarola. And then the 41 without Monster won't have very much. And, you know, the, the other sponsors they had on that car, the a couple of other ones, were also tied to Kurt. So, um, you know, I think you look at it and you say, well, you know, I think the reason why they're running four cars is Ford. They promised Ford when they came there. We'll be a four-car operation for you, Ford. Roger Penske is slowly growing, but we were four cars, and we're going to be four cars for you. And Ford expects that many cars on the track. So I look at it and say they're just going to do it, but they're going to do it. And they're not going to shortchange on the resources side, but maybe on the driver side. They can cut it back and say, we're going to give you a rookie driver. Do I think the rules package has anything to do with that? Yes, but my argument will be on that, Clayton, is why would you fire A.J. Munder? then you're going to – A.J. signed through 2020. And the way I see it is they're going to pay A.J. through 2020. The reason why they're bringing in Ryan Priest is because he's not going to command that much money. They can still pay A.J. and have a driver who they think can win in Ryan Priest. My point on Priest would be this. He's got a couple of wins now in Xfinity, and you don't think he's ready. I tend to agree with you, but if you listen to Rocky Ryan and Pat Patterson today on their show, they think he's more ready than Daniel Hemrick, who's had two years in Xfinity but doesn't have a win uh, because he's won. Now, I think Joe Gibbs Racing Equipment, Sam Hornis Jr. Jr's has won in Joe Gibbs Racing Equipment, and we know what he did in Cup. Enough said. He's a better hire on that sense. But I think it would come down to just a price on that. And, and uh, that's where I think we're at right now with the lack of sponsorship and the lack of dollars coming in here.
1: And I think a lot of it has to do with Monster sponsoring the sport for $20 million a year. And you look at it, Jimmy Johnson's a seven-time champion. He's struggling this year, but he's still a seven-time champion. He's one of the biggest names in the sport. And there's been no word anywhere about who's replacing Lowe's on that 48 car next year. I think I mean, he's going to have to take a pay Rex cut, John. mean, coming off the championship and five-hour energy walking away. Yep,
0: yep. I think Jimmy's going to have to take a pay cut. There's absolutely no way in the world that I could see them. I, I know his contract's probably set in stone. There's no way in the world that I could see them re-signing, getting a sponsor on, especially with the way they've been running. Uh, you know, more terrible luck for them today. But the way they've been running, barely scraping their way, backing their way into the playoffs this year and getting $30 million or whatever they're getting from Lowe's with the way, yeah, the series sponsor, title sponsor is $20 million. And I think the hit with Brian France we saw last week, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, certainly doesn't help that, on that sense. You look at it and say, it's, even if it turns away 10% of the audience, that's 10% of the audience we really don't want to lose. So uh, it, it's a, t- a tough spot if you look at it on that sense in selling sponsorship. And Jimmy might have to take a pay cut, and Truex might have to take a pay cut, but these guys don't want to do that. Um, but at the same time, I think something's got to give here, and that's where we're going to be in the future. Is drivers are going to be making a heck of a lot less money than they are now?
1: Yeah, and I you think look, it's
0: hard for the look, old, the veterans to admit that.
1: And one of the Absolutely. things you ahead, had, yeah. like, whenever, uh you were talking about the drivers taking pay cuts and the different things like that. With the TV ratings down, the attendance is down, the sponsorship money's way down. And you've got, I mean, one of the things, if you look forward, where is the next Kyle Bush? Where is the next Kevin Harvick? Where is the next Truex? Now, Truex and Cole Pern, they hit it out of the park together because Truex before Cole Pern wasn't anything to write home about. Truex before Cole Pern was Jamie McMurray. And now that Cole Pern and Truex got together, they've hit perfectly. He ends up going to get Think they're going to leave Cole Pern out in Denver with Daniel Suarez, or do you think yes. Cole Pern is going wherever yes. Truex
0: is? No, no. I think, and this was an interesting thing that I heard too. Barney Visser is looking at it, saying he'd rather pay Cole Pern than pay Martin Truex Jr. And I think they're looking at it and saying we can't afford to pay them both, and they think Pern is the one with the, with the with the more effect on the performance than Truex. So they want to keep Cole Pern, and if they listen, if they lost Cole Pern, it'd be like this, Chad Knaus. So. I tend to agree oh, yeah. with them on that. Truex is a good guy and a good driver and had a lot of success, but we all know what he was before Carl Turn was in the picture. Well, and, and that makes. Lee, thanks so much for calling. We've we got to go because we only got a couple yep. of seconds left of the yep, show, yep, but yep. thanks so much for, for, for joining the show. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I think that the landscape's changed completely. I think part of it is because just of the fact that, you know, like we talked about, the, the sponsorship isn't there for a lot of race teams. I think uh, the drivers are used to making a certain salary, and they're not going to be making that anymore. And so that's changed the game a lot here. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens in the next month or two as we get closer to the end of the season, and the silly season really ramps up here, John. Uh, final thoughts on, on this whole silly season move moves here, John, before we, we sign off tonight.
1: Um, I'll tell you, there's always one domino that starts everything flowing. And I think last year, Kurt Busch tried to wait it out. And before he could get done waiting it out, all the, all the chairs were filled in musical chairs, and his domino didn't get a chance to fall. So I think he's taking the bull by the horns and trying to get his domino to fall first and make everything follow from it. It'll be interesting to see if Truex ends up still at Furniture Row Racing, or as Lee said, possibly at Joe Gibbs Racing. That's something I never really thought about is uh, Truex at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I don't know if True X minus Cole Pern is the big free agent signing you want. I almost think you need them as a team, sort of like you do with Jeff and Jimmy, Tony, Zippy. I don't think True X is TrueX without Cole Pern behind him. So that'll be interesting to see. And one of the things when you said about Chevy, they used to have the drivers coming up the pipeline because Junior Motorsports is about developing young drivers. And right now Junior Motorsports has Algire with his sponsorship. Michael Annette with his sponsorship and the rumor of Advocare and Trevor Bain coming. Junior's trying to fill sponsorship. He isn't worried about developing young drivers like he used to. So Chevy doesn't have a young driver. Very true. Yeah.
0: And and that's true. I mean, you got Reddick who's there, but I don't, you know, Reddick hasn't let the world on fire at all this season. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. We'll see you next time here on the show. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.